0: Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Today is Giving Tuesday, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving that encourages us to make charitable gifts. After the excess of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's meant to be a bit of a consumerism palate cleanser. Now, in a past life, I was a nonprofit fundraiser, and I was good at it. I raised a lot of money. So executive producer Emily Means is in the host chair, and I'm spilling the do's and don'ts of donating. And how to make the most local impact with just five bucks. It's Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is
1: CityCast Salt Lake. Ali Vallarta, in a past life, you worked in fundraising, most recently as a development director at a Utah nonprofit. Why is this the time of year we give? I feel like there is a lot of pressure as we head into the end of the year to donate to charity, to volunteer. How did we get here? (laughs) To write checks, pull out your wallet, vacuum your pocket.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I will say like, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing I think at this point because like, this is the time of year that you get asked the most to make a charitable gift and It is the time of year that is most critical for nonprofits like nationally, just the month of December, right? One twelfth of the year accounts for roughly one quarter of annual nonprofit revenues. Whoa. Yeah. So if you're a development director, like Giving Tuesday today basically jumpstarts the craziest. Like what
1: April is for accountants, December is for nonprofit fundraisers. <laughs> so there's something strategic to it. It's not just like, yeah, you know, we're we're coming up on Christmas time. Everybody is in the the giving spirit. But there's actual planning that goes into this. I mean, I think it's that, too. But like
0: it's... It's data informed, like nonprofits have realized that this is the time of the year that people are thinking about giving. And so they capitalize on that. And like Mm -hmm. this whole Giving Tuesday thing started in 2012 when a bunch of fundraisers in I think New York were like, hmm, we should be capitalizing on how – sort of like malleable and profound social media campaigning can be and created Giving Tuesday and it kind of worked, like they were able to harness it. But I would say like thinking about this time of year, I actually think there are kind of like three things at play that make this when we give a lot. In Utah in particular, it's the winter effect. Cold weather, people just, I think, get more thoughtful about the have and have nots, like it's cold. People should be inside. People should be fed. Like we just think a lot about the have and have nots. I think this time of year, and then I also think fed into that is the discomfort of consumerism and glut. <laughs> like it's almost like it's like the more we as Utahns indulge ourselves in like gluttonous meals and like merrymaking and the more we like buy 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 and gift 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 the more we feel the need to kind of balance that guilt with yeah. doing good, which we know, like, this is a charitable state. Like, we have some of the highest volunteer rates in the nation, like, whatever. And then I also think, like, shout out to the Salvation Army bell ringers.
1: because <laughs> they, they really start set the all? tone.
0: They really <laughs> set the tone. And I do think, like, there is, like, this community-wide collective consciousness that when you start to see the bell ringers like basically blocking the door the grocery store (laughs) entry that you're like yeah it's time it's
1: time yeah and so this is when all of the development directors are also ringing their metaphorical bells and saying okay over here give over here (laughs) yeah
0: in the form of like coming up with the most creative email campaign you can which
1: right Takes a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. Well, Ali, it feels like food drives in particular are a really big giving push this season. I mean, I don't know how many local businesses have like huge cardboard boxes set up and, you know, people are throwing cans into them. You did a little bit of research to figure out what exactly the Utah Food Bank is looking for, what they need. What is and what isn't helpful? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that we should be doing food drives, frankly,
0: every single day in this city. We know that anywhere from 10 to 12% of our state is food insecure. And we also know that, like, unemployment and food insecurity have almost nothing to do with each other. Like, plenty of people who are full time employed don't know when their next meal will be and if it will be healthy. The food bank says, This. I thought so. What I got from them that I think is the most helpful and the most interesting the Utah Food Bank is their kind of list of most needed items. Mm -hmm. And they are peanut butter, mac and cheese, canned meats, so like tuna, chicken, beef, chili, Hmm. canned, spaghettios, and ravioli, canned fruits. And then like boxed meals, Hamburger Helper, Uncle Ben's, like those guys. And they said, whenever possible, please try and donate low sugar, low sodium. We don't want high fructose corn syrup. I think that is worth noting because sometimes those are the more affordable, like Those items can be cheaper. So if you're, like, at the grocery store, you want to add a couple things to your cart to put in. For example, Harmon's has a donation box for the Utah Food Bank at every location. You can, like, go find something. Peanut butter is my go-to. I was thrilled to see it on the list is what I'm getting at.
1: Well, you know what, Allie? It's funny because I was scrolling on Instagram this morning and saw this comic from the Washington Post that was all about like what to donate during these food drives. Mm -hmm. And most notable to me was like canned meats, like tuna, because it goes farther. Like you can build a whole meal around it, right? You can make tuna sandwiches, you can make casserole. So it sounds like these items they're looking for is like, it's not just, you know, random stuff. You know, it's not like, Cranberry sauce. Well, you can't have cranberry sauce for every meal, but you could make multiple meals out of a can of tuna, right? Yeah, and it's substantial.
0: I was kind of surprised not to see cereal on this list because I feel like cereal, oatmeal, that kind of stuff is we think of as being kind of bread and butter in our in our like food pyramid. But it, a bowl of cereal is not going to stick with you like a banana with peanut butter on it.
1: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I would say something I would like to
0: offer because I think creativity can be key sometimes when we're thinking about like communal giving. And I know the food bank is a popular choice and for good reason. Anywhere from 10 to 12% of Utahns are food insecure. But if you wanna do kind of like a drive either as part of a holiday party or with your friends or like at your workplace, I also would like to put forward the Utah Diaper Bank. Are you familiar with their work, Emily? No, I don't know. So, the Utah Diaper Bank, one of the things that I just really appreciate about them is they are like single issue. <laughs> and I'm yeah, a sucker for that. Pretty you clear. know what I mean? Like a diaper drive, full stop. Diapers can be expensive, they are one of the biggest expenses for new parents, like, and can be one of the most difficult things to access. And it's, this is a public health thing, right? Like not having enough diapers in our state and in our community is a public health crisis. And we have so many kids in Utah, like we just have so many families, right? Um, So the Utah Diaper Bank, that is all they do. And it's like, so I think people also have such an easy time with like clear direction. Like I mm-hmm. notice sometimes when local businesses do like quote unquote drives, they almost give so many options that people are kind of overwhelmed. So like, I would say if you're going to do a drive, pick one thing, just be like, we're peanut butter. <laughs> it's the peanut butter drive. It's the diaper drive. It's the tampon drive. And then it, I think it's easier to stick in people's minds. Um... And they know they know exactly what they need to do and what they need to get.
1: Right, that's really good advice. And um, I'm glad that you provided another option because Utah is just absolutely flush with nonprofits, Allie. I was doing a little bit of digging to see how many we have in Salt Lake County. And there are nearly 5,000 nonprofit organizations, according to the Utah Nonprofit Association. How do we make good decisions when it comes to choosing which organizations to give to. There
0: are just so many. Something I think about a lot, Emily, is that a couple weeks ago, we had someone on from the UVU Center for Social Impact to talk about the Tim Ballard scandal and sort of the like rise and fall of Operation Underground Railroad. And one of the themes of that conversation was this idea of hero worship. And she said that like, when she talks to her students about impactful giving or community impact. One of the things we should be really wary of is organizations that center around a charismatic individual. And so like feels very sage as we head into the season of giving to keep that in mind. Like the hero worshipy sort of like bit of nonprofits is something we should be really wary of. Like we should be suspicious. I will say, like, the sort of tried and true approach to figuring out how to give is to use charity navigators. So, like, There's, for example, ProPublica has a website, and it kind of rates nonprofits. So it looks at, for a 501c3, which is a tax-exempt organization, nonprofit organization, they are required to file a 990, which includes, like, salaries, like, executive salaries, like, what percentage of their resources are spent on programming versus overhead. Like, all, it does some of this, like, comparing and contrasting. Um, And they, like, GuideStar is another one, like, they will basically rate and rank charities for you. Okay. If you wanna give to a big organization and if a tax write-off is important to you, those can be a useful resource for figuring out where to give. That said, I, in my soul, am a little bit opposed to them.
1: (laughs) To these tools, you're opposed to these tools? (laughs) do it that, that have done the homework for us <laughs> listen the thing is
0: i just i think that like one of the things that i walked away from a career in nonprofit fundraising feeling very very deeply in my bones is that we should just be giving small and hyper local whenever possible and I mean, that also feels very in step with like the philosophy of CityCast Salt Lake, right? (laughs) But if you aren't planning to write a $40,000 check or even a $1,000 check, like the average gift that someone in the United States makes to a nonprofit is like 100 bucks, right? So if you've got $10, $20, $30, $50, Give small, like Salt Lake Mutual Aid, the Utah Abortion Fund, like some of these really, really small, super, super grassroots organizations where they probably don't even necessarily have enough staff to write grants. <laughs> right. Like I think there is something really just powerful about giving hyper local. I also think another way to, like, maybe feel a little bit more confident about the gift that you're giving is to give in kind. So a lot of organizations will be like, this is our Amazon wish list. And, like, you can just go and purchase items off of
1: their list. Right. It takes the guesswork out, right? Right. You're like, "Well, do they need socks or gloves?" Well, it's on the list. Yep. Like you can go to amazon.com
0: and buy a pack of 20 condoms and have them delivered to the Utah Abortion Funds headquarters and like full stop. You're resourcing an organization. <laughs> The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. And be one in a class of 19, not 100.
1: Okay, Allie, let's get to the do's and don'ts of charitable giving. How can we give better this season? How can we give thoughtfully? I think, like, my number one to kind of echo what I've already said
0: is, like, I just love supporting organizations that are hyper-specific or hyper-focused. Like... You know, to the point of like the Utah diaper bank, like this is what we do. I'm always a little bit wary of organizations that are like, we're solving poverty. It's like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that is like, that is a complicated, you know what I mean? Like, I think there is something great about just being like, we're in the business of resourcing people with X. Um, but in terms of like the logistics of giving, man. If you want to make a fundraiser or development director's day, I would say, one, use debit, not credit. (laughs) Why? Just like any business, when you use a credit card, the seller or merchant has to pay a small fee. So Um. often if you are giving on like a, you know, whether it's like an ActBlue or a GoFundMe or whatever, like using your debit card to give, is going to save like maybe 1% to 2% for the nonprofit. Huh. So use debit. Uh, if you can payroll deduct, like that's awesome. And then the other big one, this is my favorite way to give, and this is how I give, is give small amounts monthly. I don't give on Giving Tuesday, and I don't get make year-end gifts. <laughs> I give $5, 10 or $15 a month to the organizations that are important to me and that I think are critical in our community. And I think of that as the most sustainable way to give. And so like 5 10 bucks a month like I kind of don't even notice that it's going. And having been someone who has to plan the budget, it's so nice to yeah. be able to know that, you know, you're you're getting 10 bucks a month from this person basically forever as opposed to like this windfall in December and then in March you're like oh god. <laughs>
1: Yeah. When's the next check so. coming in? But those one time donations are still helpful, right, Allie? Yeah. People should still give today if they Yes. If they feel
0: like it. Give however you want. But maybe today set up a monthly donation. So maybe today let today be your first five or ten dollars that you give. Um, the other thing I would say, and I know this like almost sounds ridiculous because again, like you and I, Emily, like we're not wealth, we're not the Lucille Bluths of the world, you know, we're, we're the Marys and the Rhodas of the world. (laughs) But like, if you are, you know, we did this show, I think a year ago now about why everyone should have a will. If you are a young person, you don't necessarily have a family or anyone that you would bequeath your possessions or your finances to when you die. Consider choosing a charity and putting them in your will. Like I my will leaves everything but my dog to a local nonprofit.
1: Also, it takes the drama out of the family <laughs> discussion,
0: too, right? Completely.
1: It does. But it, yes. But also, like, if
0: you don't have kids or whatever, like, anything could happen. And, like, I kind of just take stock in knowing that that's the plan. I like it. All right.
1: So those are the dues. What do we do that creates more work for these nonprofits? Because I have a feeling by the end of the year, they are scrambling, right? And, like... We're heading into the holidays, many of us, and maybe we wanna just kind of coast the rest of the year. What should we not do when we're, when we're giving charitably? Yeah. So I think the big one is ask
0: for more than a receipt. Like at the end of the day, it's fun sometimes to get a swag item. We love our branded mugs or totes or whatever, but like, don't let that be your impetus. If you get an email receipt thanking you for your donation, just understand that like on the other side of that email are a lot of people who are incredibly grateful that you're supporting this work. They're probably undercompensated, overeducated, and overworked, right? They're, they're doing this because they care deeply. The email's enough, I promise. And I think that like sometimes when people give, and I understand this impulse, right? Like part of the reason you give is because you want to experience that connection. Like I'm, I'm supporting you, I'm choosing you, can you choose me back a little bit, right? Just know that like similar to us on our team when we get a new member and we get a Slack notification and all our computers ding at the same time because someone became a member, like... We jump for joy, like there, that connection happens, but especially this time of year, the staff at these organizations are absolutely spent. And so you might just get an email receipt and that's enough. The other thing I would say is like, I brought this up a little bit in talking about the charity kind of navigators, like the, you know, the tools that will tell you if a charity is worthy of your donation and how they spend their money. I do want to say this idea that's become really pervasive in recent years that overhead is a bad thing at a charitable organization is a little frustrating to me and I think is a little frustrating. It's a narrative that fundraisers everywhere are trying to dispel. We need pens to run this organization. We need Post-it notes. We need paper. We need comfortable chairs for our staff to sit in when they work. Like, we need an office. Like, we need salaries. Like, you know what I mean? Like it does cost a lot just for these organizations to exist. And so don't get mad about the fact that like they're also asking you to help fund their operational costs. Mm. Like not every dollar you give is going to go straight to programs and that's because there have to be there has to be administration of programs, right? right? And like The most valuable thing you have at an organization, any organization, is your staff, is your talent. They deserve raises. They deserve benefits. They deserve compensation. Don't get mad at an organization that it costs a lot of money to do this work. Get mad at the fact that we live live in a state where there are people that are hungry, even though we have a billion-dollar surplus.
1: Yeah, not, not everyone can afford to be a volunteer professionally, right? right. Like, that's not how you pay the rent. Mm-mm. No. And
0: like, in an ideal world, nonprofits put themselves out of business, right? Like, the food bank doesn't want to exist. They want people to be fed. But unfortunately, that's just not, that's not where we're at right now. So, and I will say like, final note would be, if giving money isn't on the table for you right now, volunteering is more valuable. Like nothing is more precious in this life than your time. It is the only thing we can't make more of. And so choosing to volunteer on this day or any day is gold.
1: Ali Vallarta, CityCast Salt Lake host and former development director, Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and for caring so much about this community. Thanks, Emily.
0: On the note of volunteering, if you want to take it all the way, I recommend doing the annual point in time count in January. It's the yearly census of all the unhoused people in our city, and the data collected helps determine how much federal funding we get for homeless services. Now, the Salt Lake Valley Coalition to End Homelessness is already taking volunteers for the count. It's happening January 25th through 27th from 4 to 6 a.m. each day. Yes, frankly, it is intense, but it is so important, and you can do it with friends. I will be there, and I put a link to the sign-up sheet in the show notes. Think about it. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.